You're listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for the customers in pursuit of their passion. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to The Social Hotelier Show, the first show, in fact, of this new year. I'm here with my co-host, Jayant, who is based in Bangalore, and we are using sort of the kind of a technology that enables us to uh, record high-quality podcasts while he's in Bangalore and I'm in Helsinki. And uh, we trust that this uh, quality of the audio will be uh, sufficient to that you will enjoy the show. But today we have actually a, a lot of fun show because we have a lot of things we want to share with you. And uh, But first of all, Jayant, how was your new year? Hi, Sam Eric. Happy New Year and Happy New Year to everybody who's listening to this podcast. Uh, my New Year celebration was good uh, here in Bangalore, India. I, you know, celebrated it with the family, uh, you know, at home. We just, uh, you know, dressed up and, you know, had a little dance and cut the cake at, and, and wished each other uh, around, uh, around midnight and saw some fireworks. So it was, you know, just as I hoped and I wanted it to be. Well, that's fantastic. I'm... Uh... I'm I'm also a little bit like you uh, that uh, the the parties outside home is maybe a little bit of the thing of the past. At least uh, this time we enjoyed uh, my wife and I. I had a lovely time at home and we uh, enjoyed some of our favorite foods. Uh, had a little bit of uh, bubbly to uh, celebrate the new start of a new year and wished us uh, both a very happy new year and good health and. And maybe a little bit of prosperity also for the coming year. But uh, I'm sure you've been reading, and so I have been reading about all these, particularly last year. There, uh, as of September, October, uh, there's a lot of people issuing predictions for the coming year, and uh, in the, I mentioned to you that it would be fun to live it to kind of. Uh, Dig a little bit on this, whether they are make sense or doesn't don't make sense. <laughs> and uh, are there, is there anything that you have? What have you picked up from uh, your readings uh, of uh, trends that uh, is possibly make sense or doesn't make sense? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of people are are making their predictions uh, in terms of what twenty twenty is going to hold. Uh, you know, and and there are a lot of things happening around the uh, uh, around the world, right? I mean, socially, politically, uh, you know, technology-wise. But uh, on on this part podcast, we're going to talk about uh, uh, you know the technological evolution and uh, its impact and and the predictions in twenty twenty, uh, right? So, uh, been been hearing a lot about what is going to happen, and uh, as an industry analyst. Uh, you know, I have my own read uh, of w- what's happening and how it could evolve. Uh, so, yes, uh, seeing some uh, movements uh, and trends uh, in terms of where, uh, you know, technologies such as artificial intelligence and machine learning are headed, uh, you know, what, what is happening on blockchain and cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, and Internet of Things and robotics. And as we speak, uh, the biggest, uh, you know, uh, Consumer electronics show is happening in in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, it happens, uh, you know, uh, on the first week of every year. So, you know, ex- 
this this week we are expected to uh, see some uh, you know uh, really cool and trendy and evolutionary products in the world of uh, tech from that show so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have some some of my uh, reads uh, and and predictions as to what could happen depending on the you know basis the trends that that we've been witnessing last year. Yeah, I, this 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 show is actually gives a little bit of a direction where uh, what kind of pro- prototypes are being presented and uh, and uh, possibly it's going to take a few years before these products and services become mainstream and it's the early adapters that will. Uh, try them out and uh, uh, see, and once they become sort of out of their beta and become mainstream, that's part of uh, the everyday life, right? Yes, that is correct. And primarily, the you know, uh, this show uh, in Las Vegas, uh, Consumer Electronics Show, it is all about, uh, you know, uh, digital electronics and technology, digital technology products for the consumers. I mean, uh, you know, not, not for enterprises or businesses. So, you know, over the past few years, we've seen a lot of uh, TVs get launched. I mean, you know, Samsung and LG are some of the bigger players. Uh, this year, uh, actually, Apple, uh, you know, is participating in CES after 28 years. I mean, for the last 28 years, Apple never participated. So none of the iPhones, iPods, MacBooks uh, ever got uh, displayed or demonstrated at, at this show. Uh, uh, and in the last, uh, you know, 10 years that I've been, uh, you know, following this show very closely, uh, there has been uh, a significant increase in the Chinese uh, technology companies coming and uh, showcasing their products, uh, you know, their consumer electronics products. And uh, last year and this year, there has been a dip in the Chinese uh, companies. Uh, in fact, some of the bigger, uh, biggest Chinese companies such as Alibaba and Tencent, uh, you know, big consumer electronic and consumer internet companies are actually absent this year from CES. Oh, yeah. I see. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised to see that Apple, or maybe not surprised to see that Apple is uh, joining the uh, the show this year. Uh, because my take on what's happening, I mean, they had their biggest sellers items has been the AirPods uh, recently and then the Apple Watch. But the iPhone itself, the phone this device, I think it's a product that is starting to be matured. So, I mean, you remember when iPhone came first out and it was like, wow, everybody's standing in line uh, overnight and or maybe two nights just to get their hands on the new iPhone. When they make the announcement of the, this next generation or is it the iPhone 12, I don't, I'm not sure how the lines will be long anymore. <laughs> and the reason being is that uh, there's only so much sharper that the, the screen will come Right. Or it's going to be a foldable phone or more memory or more more powerful or is it going to be 5G, which still takes time to roll out. Right. But I'm not, I'm not so excited about the hardware itself. What I'm more excited about, and that's is that uh, uh, we see mobile more like a window. And the, uh, because what it means is that uh, uh, HubSpot, for instance, found that uh, uh, in, at least in the U.S., uh, uh, 54% of people are using, uh, it's going to be more watching videos than anything else from their device. And it's been said that they believe by uh, next year, uh, they, the video will account for 70%, 70% of all the mobile traffic. And I think that's a trend that is uh, really growing. And, uh, and that's something that every company who is, uh, uh, particularly who is on the consumer goods, uh, we'll have to take seriously and coming from the hotel industry, really have to take it on board that, hey, it's not enough to post a, 
a, a, a picture of your bedroom or hotel room or a, from, or a picture from the balcony, they are, you have to get really serious about this and you have to start to create some content because right. people is not going to... Uh, people, people say that, well, uh, people are not uh, patient or watching uh, video. Uh, I think the key issue is they are, they are, they are not patient of watching crappy content. So it, it's the quality of the content that makes, it, makes the difference. Right. Uh, in fact, your uh, what you just uh, said, uh, you know, just um, you know, got me nostalgic, Samaric, uh, about the first iPhone launch. Uh, you know, uh, I remember uh, the first iPhone launch was in 2007 when it was announced, and back then I was the product marketing guy for Motorola. Uh, in fact, Motorola mobile devices in India. Uh, you know, and uh, back in the day in 2007, Motorola was, uh, you know, two, three years fresh into the success of Moto Razr, the slick hardware device. And uh, in fact, the first iPhone, uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, did not capture a lot of people's uh, imagination or uh, fancy uh, because the first iPhone did not have Bluetooth. It did not have 3G. Okay, back in 2007, which was supposed to be considered very hygiene features and every other mobile device had them, right? And, uh, you know, uh, everybody said, oh, it's just a bigger display uh, device which you can use with... uh, uh, with your fingers uh, what you're mentioning about people lining up outside apple stores to buy uh, you know uh, iphones overnight uh, was actually with the second version of the iphone which was iphone 3g in 2008 uh, that that device uh, you know had all the features and uh, you know again steve jobs uh, launching iphone you know spun his magic he was the best product marketer uh, you know back in the day the world could have and he made the first iphone version itself as a must have device for everyone and yeah. but but i agree with you you know uh, almost 12 years into the launch of the first iphone uh, uh, the iphone is not a must have device anymore in fact the entire smartphone category the innovation on the hardware side or innovation in the entire product uh, you know is plateauing uh, year on year there's hardly any difference in terms of the flagship uh, devices but having said that again you know we've seen recently what motorola uh, did with announcing the moto razor the foldable smartphone right again looks like uh, you know design and sexiness of uh, design and hardware is trying to uh, make a comeback and it's making a comeback uh, into into the devices so i mean it, it's a full circle as far as i am concerned i launched the original moto razor back in the day and then uh-huh. I, <laughs> I was a motorola product marketing guy and uh, you know uh, we we along with everybody else uh, in the technology world back then did not pay too much heed to iphone first iPhone when it was launched, but none of us, none of us, I mean, uh, imagined iPhone to be such a huge success. From Motorola, I moved to Nokia, which was back then the the biggest uh, mobile device player in the world and definitely in India. And even at Nokia, we never believed that iPhone could could have been this big. But yeah, I mean... In Finland, we say that uh, the downfall of Nokia was, you know, they had the slogan... Nokia connecting people. Right. They just missed out one part. It should be connecting with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember my Nokia Nokia days. So yes, yeah, yeah. uh, look, looks like um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. Uh, you know, now in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty with iPhone twelve, I don't think we are going to see, uh, you know, a huge lines outside Apple stores. Uh, 
you know, number one, just because smartphone as a category, you know, is uh, the innovation and the aspirational value of that is plateauing. But then again, you know, uh, companies like Motorola are trying to bring back nostalgia and bring back sex- sexiness into the hardware uh, design. And we are, we are seeing some, uh, you know, some innovation there. And, and also talking about, uh, you know, um, uh, talking about people buying or, or spending humongous amount of money, you know, buying consumer goods or anything. Uh, as such, I think it's also a generational shift. I mean, uh, the millennials today, which are the biggest, uh, you know, segment of uh, with disposable income, they don't believe in, uh, you know, consumption as much as their previous generations did. So, you know, yeah. or owning goods. Uh, uh, I think I, just this morning, I, re- I read an article uh, of how the entire fashion industry and luxury brand industry is, uh, you know, is changing because uh, you know people are not buying anymore uh, as much as they used to i think that entire consumption uh, across generations is is you know is attitudinally is also taking a change going through it no i think yeah, yeah I, I, I share with you this uh, this approach and particularly in finland just staring one second away from the digital is that for the first time i heard that people were buying each other recycled christmas gifts not oh, brand new goods but recycled and and the the indoor flea markets are where people are buying stuff from more right. than ever before and uh, it's a very popular way i mean uh, traditionally the flea markets were not the high quality items but these right. are high quality items that are barely used right. so that market is very different and i think also uh, that uh, uh, that uh, what is what you are mentioning about that kind of trends is that people are not necessarily running. I mean, there are always these there are people always who want to run after this, the latest Chinese device, but I think that there's an attitude change. Uh, I think it's also in one way it's cross gener- uh, generational also, yeah, which is a it's a good thing. It I I agree. I think it is a good thing. Uh, you know, for the environment, for the planet, and generally, attitudinally for the human conscious as well. I mean, we are moving away from uh, this. Uh, you know this this mindset of owning and hoarding. Uh, in fact, yeah. it's, uh, you know what you mentioned about uh, this recycled Christmas gifts is uh, very interesting. There is a term I, I I heard that there are something called as swap parties, S W A P swap parties, where people get together for a party and they just uh, exchange uh, you know clothes, books, uh, you know household items, uh, you know what uh, one doesn't need and what the other might need. So you know people are bonding over over such things so there there is not as much uh, you know we we might be in early days of this but there is definitely a trend uh, you know across you know it's a cross generational trend for sure uh, mm-hmm. of where people are not um, you know taking pride in owning something i mean a few years back it was about the big things like houses and cars right i mean they always said that millennials are not buying as many houses or not as many cars as their previous generations did. But uh, we have, now we are seeing trends into small daily uh, usage household items as well. I mean, the entire yeah. attitude about owning and consuming, uh, you know, is, is, is sort of plateauing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's I think it's a, it's a very good thing. Okay, let's circle back to digital now. Uh, we just took a sidestep since we got into that uh, topic. But back to the no- mobile side is, again, is that the, I think the voice activation is uh, uh, 
has started already with Siri and uh, Alexa and all these uh, devices where people are using uh, the voice just to uh, command and ask for things. I think we are still in the early stages, but I, I think that the gradually this voice activation is going to change a lot of things because now when you have an, a, a device, you have your earpods on, uh, you don't really need to touch the screen anymore. You can just uh, give a command to, to Siri or whoever it is there to answer you, to find things for you. And I think this technology will be further developed. So it's becoming a, a, a new normal uh, in, I know, a few, a few more years ahead, but uh, it also will be available to, uh, into automotive, hospitality, and uh, other these kind of industries. And for instance, for cars, I don't think uh, in the next few years you will not have, when you, if you buy a car or you rent a car, it will not have a radio anymore. Because it will be everything that you will listen to is from your own device, which is connected with the Bluetooth. Uh, I completely agree with you. Uh, in the, at least uh, we technology trend watchers, uh, you know, I personally strongly believe that voice is going to be the next user interface uh, because it's that much more intuitive. I mean, if you see uh, how we have evolved, uh, you know, over generations in terms of how we have been interacting with the uh, with the uh, devices in our lives, and especially techno digital technology and electronics devices, uh, you know, in the early days of the, uh, the television, even when before remote was not there, uh, you know, we used to get off the couch, walk up to the uh, TV and uh, turn the knob on to change the channels, right? Or, or you know, uh, fiddle around with that antenna. And then remote, uh, you know, uh, made the entire difference of use not moving a muscle sitting where you are and just at the click of a button going through a few hundreds of uh, channels, right? And that yeah. essentially click of a button evolved into your handheld phone, uh, you know, the, the old Nokia phones, uh, you know, of where you would dial in a number or send in a text message. And that evolved into, you know, with the launch of iPhone and, and the current smartphones, uh, touch-based uh, uh, user interface. And then, you know, if you look at it, uh, the friction uh, in terms of uh, interacting with the devices over a generation, uh, uh, you know, ha has been, uh, you know, been removed. And the next uh, beyond that, uh, beyond touch is, is, is going to be voice. What, what could be more intuitive than, uh, you know, talking to your device uh, and uh, your device understanding what you exactly meant in that particular context. Now, this entire yes. contextual thing, uh, you know, has a humongous amount of science and technology behind it in terms of uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, the command that you give to your device and the same command that I give to my device, uh, the device is going to, uh, you know, react differently uh, by understanding the context, uh, you know, uh, that, that we are referring to. And the, the device will actually learn about us and that, that will be, enabled by, uh, you know, huge artificial intelligence algorithms and, uh, you know, uh, machine learning algorithms. And that's where the, uh, the, the technology is evolving. And, and you're right, I agree with you, you know, voice activation and voice is going to be the new user interface because it's that much more intuitive. Very good. All right, we have uh, touched now for, for now for the, this first portion about uh, uh, some of the trends for that uh, people have talked about. 
and I'm sure there are 160 more we can talk about, but uh, <laughs> uh, I thought we will, should uh, maybe start to talk about the, uh, the, some of the things that has been evolving uh, where people talked about uh, false news, it's called fake news. Right. And I want to kind of bring you back to 2013, what happened, and then we can get to what is today. Sure. Uh, Associate Press put out a tweet on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Breaking news. Two explosives at the White House and Barack Obama is injured. Right, I remember that. This was retweeted 4,000 times in less than five minutes, and in, in, uh, it went viral after that. Right. And that was not new, uh, real news, but Associated Press. It was a fake new propaganda uh, by the Syrian hackers that had infiltrated into the AP uh, Twitter handle. And just to the purpose was to disrupt society. But then the, then the disruption was even more because the automated trading algorithms immediately seized the sentiment of this tweet and be, began trading on the potential what uh, what will uh, what uh, that the president of the United States had been injured or killed immediately? They sent the stocks market crashing, and it wiped out 138 billion worth of equity value in a single day. What do you think about that? That's scary, huh? Oh, that's but ab- the- that's absolutely scary. And and considering this was 2013, six six and a half years ago, uh, you know, from there. Where we have, where we are today in terms of, you know, how scary it could be is is mind-boggling. I mean, there then it were a bunch of hackers who had to, you know, hack the Associated Press uh, Twitter handle and do it. Today, literally everybody, anybody or everybody can uh, uh, can can produce uh, such, uh, uh, you know, what can I say, uh, destabilizing news and and spread them, uh, you know. Uh, spread them virally, and uh, there are there are many platforms. Uh, you know, obviously, all none of these platforms have been designed to to spread fake news or faulty news or uh, or destabilize societies, but they are being used used for that. And uh, you know, over the years, in the last five six years, the technology has democratized that access to just about everybody, and that is what is extremely dangerous. Uh, you know, situation that that we are sitting. Uh, on right yeah. now. I mean, it was before you had to have a skillful hacker, but now right. with this, what you mentioned, democratization of, of, of AI, gives the ability of anyone without any background in AI or machine learning to deploy these kinds of AI to generate the synthetic media. Correct. And, uh, you know, the, the simple versions of that are the bots. I mean, uh, we, we talked about uh, earlier uh, in the trends, we talked about uh, voice. Uh, you know, uh, essentially voice and text, uh, you know, come under the same branch of uh, uh, artificial intelligence technology, which is called NLP, natural language processing. And NLP in the last few years has, uh, you know, has come of age and has matured. And <clears throat> one of the first uh, uh, kind of uh, NLP that, uh, you know, NLP technologies that got matured were the text-based ones. And one of uh, the early, uh, one of the first set of products that were built on text-based NLP were the chatbots, right? Now, originally, yeah. chatbots have been built, uh, you know, to help companies, uh, you know, build these automated customer service telemarketing, uh, you know, devices, 
but uh, you know a lot of these pots are also used uh, uh, for for nefarious activities like like what we just mentioned and uh, considering that they are all based on machine learning they are all based on uh, uh, you know deep learning uh, uh, and they are programmed to uh, you know take in more and more data and uh, spill out uh, more such uh, this one uh, you know similar kinds of data without uh, the uh, without uh, uh, you know what what can i say uh, without too much of a um, uh, this thing on the result or 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 the sentiment of of what they are spelling out okay considering these are these are still machine based uh, uh, products uh, you know it 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 they they are extremely uh, dangerous and and on one end technology is uh, being innovated it's uh, evolving extremely fast and at the same uh, on on the other side of the coin uh, the same technology is being used for uh, you know nefarious activities such as this yeah i i read somewhere that uh, there there's uh, how this is uh, in one way is working utilizing artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning that you have two uh, two uh, two programs one is the generator mm-hmm. who is generating synthetic media mm-hmm. and there's another one is called discriminator now the discriminator is trying to determine whether something is true or false right and the uh, and they are kind of battling against each other. Yeah. And you, at one point, then when this generator has generated the synthetic media, and the discriminator has determined this to be true, that's when it goes out to uh, to the public. And that's very scary because now it's not there's no interaction with human humans. It's yeah. actually yeah. Uh, done through the AI and machine learning. Correct. So this is where what I felt. I was very. So I was kind what of, you just mentioned is actually. Uh, a technique called GAN, Generative Adversarial Networks, right? Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. GAN, uh, and uh, originally GANs have been uh, developed and they've been developed by this gentleman called Ian Goodfellow. Uh, I, I think he's an MIT professor or, or uh, University of Toronto, one of, one of these two uh, universities. But anyway, GANs have been, um, you know, developed to essentially uh, give the power of creating uh, you know content to the to the computer to the computers up until that point you know uh, machines and computers were only uh, in in the ai realm were only learning right but they were not creating so the technique of gan has been developed for to enable machines to learn but like you just mentioned uh, you know this particular use case they are being uh, uh, generate uh, they are being used for uh, you know generating fake news uh, so GAN, yeah. GAN is the technique, uh, uh, and uh, you know again, uh, there's another technique called uh, reinforcement learning, where they, you know, a similar kind of uh, machines learn, um, you know, learn with each other without the interference or even a supervision of a of a human, uh, a data scientist, uh, and uh, they, they they do all kinds of things. So you know, using reinforcement learning, two machines have been able to collude. And uh, uh, you know, in a in a lab testing scenario, they've been able to collude and increase the price of uh, uh, certain products on on e-commerce websites by themselves. Okay, so you know, making making the products costlier for the consumers. So these are all the downsides of uh, you know the artificial intelligence evolution that that we are seeing. Uh, you know, and uh, a lot of it is uh, fake news. And uh, one other uh, 
uh, thing that you also have to know is uh, there's this project called OpenAI. Uh, you know, uh, started, initiated by Elon Musk uh, and uh, and a bunch of other industry uh, stalwarts. Uh, you know, now even Microsoft is a part of that consortium. Uh, you know, they developed uh, uh, a project called DPT2, uh, which essentially a machine uh, from the scratch, uh, you know, creates uh, uh, stories uh, using text, right? Uh, they could be articles, they could be, uh, you know, short stories or even something as big as novels. Uh, you know, this project was matured, uh, but the entire OpenAI team uh, did not release the project, uh, you know, last year because of the uh, threat of this fake news. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, especially text-based fake news can be extremely uh, dangerous for high-frequency trading algorithms for stock market, mm. crashing the stocks and, and equities and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, after I read all this and uh, I was kind of starting to wonder what is the path to address these difficult problems today? Uh, I mean, uh, is it regulatory uh, or uh, is it going to be something that uh, all the text information that comes out would have to be labeled with like uh, like we are buying a can can of goods we can re we can read how many many calories fat content carbohydrates in food coloring or what not includes if there's a regulation that every every piece of information that is being published has to be labeled that we can see the source of this information and uh, how many different people uh, uh, checked the authenticity of this news or something along the line? I mean, that's a, that's the first thing I could think of. That maybe maybe there's a labeling, but maybe there, maybe there has to be more of a governmental regulation somehow uh, that has to be, or something else. So, any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So the way I look at it, if I have to draw a parallel uh, with uh, the threat of uh, fake news on. Uh, uh, you know, digital and social media platforms and generated by uh, the evolving uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence technologies or products, uh, you know, is the same way that we look at cybersecurity, right? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, since the beginning of uh, the uh, computers uh, era, uh, you know, computers and machines uh, and internet uh, connected uh, devices and servers are were getting hacked are getting hacked uh, in fact uh, the the data is that only 1.5% of the uh, hacks get actually uh, you know reported now there are you know in in the computers uh, in the cybersecurity space there's a saying uh, you know that goes that uh, you know uh, there are two types of companies uh, ones that uh, got hacked uh, and the other ones uh, you know, don't know that they got hacked, don't know yet that they got hacked. So, yeah. uh, so it's, it's like that, uh, you know, uh, it, even in the case of cybersecurity, uh, you know, people try to look at a technology-based solution. Uh, it never happened. It has to be a combination of technology and regulations-based uh, solution. The governments and the regulators need to uh, step in. Okay, but un, uh, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, what's happening is the technology itself is evolving so fast that the regulators are finding it tough to, uh, you know, tough to catch up. I mean, let alone regulate it, right? Um, yeah. So one one 
uh, way of them doing this uh, or or stopping the spread uh, in uh, uh, in in you know uh, in when when such things go viral is is what we see happening in India right now. I mean, in India, we we are right now we are seeing a lot of uh, social uh, protests and uh, you know anti-democracy protests and what the government is doing is it's shutting down the internet it's asking that uh, you know telecom service providers both wireline broadband service providers and mobile broadband service providers to just shut off the internet and that's a very knee-jerk reaction i mean you know that that means that people also will not have connectivity so people are not able to do their uh, works they're not able to book their cabs they're not able to make their mobile payments not, nothing is working but uh, uh, you know but but there needs to be a middle ground it it needs to be a technology and uh, uh, you know and regulations based uh, uh, regulations based uh, solution and uh, you know consortiums like like open ai and there are a lot of other uh, you know uh, bodies and consortiums which are working on for ai for good right they they all recognize the the potential uh, you know dark side and threat of uh, you know ai as a technology and they're working on uh, developing uh, again using machine learning and ai technologies uh, certain uh, solutions which uh, to ensure that uh, these technologies will be used only for the good now a combination of that that those technologies and uh, regulations like you mentioned labeling uh, you know uh, uh, and and labeling is very prominent in in Europe. In fact, a part of U- Europe's GDPR uh, regulations actually say that that any uh, you know uh, advanced analytics or uh, AI or ML based uh, output needs to uh, know where it got the data uh, you know data point from. So and needs to know the source and how it came out with the output, right? So yeah. that's that's one way. That's also one way of uh, of regulation coming in. But I would say that. These are all evolving, uh, you know, it's uh, the solution is going to be technology and regulatory based and also continuously evolving, just like in the case of cybersecurity, uh, how the you know policies and regulations are evolving right now. And so is the technology on the other side. Uh, in this yeah. case as well, they will be and they should. Yeah. Be. But also, I mean, I, I, just to, uh, one point on this also, I think there is an element of transparency uh, that uh, it would be good to know how uh, Facebook AI works and how is the data combined with AI because they are also producing a lot of this uh, that comes out. Yeah, right. Uh, absolutely. So social media platforms uh, like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, are, are platforms and, uh, you know, just because they are that much big uh, and, uh, uh, you know, ubiquitous and used by billions of people, they become platforms for people to, uh, you know, spread these kind. They create that, they provide that virality for such news, right? Yeah. Uh, and and the second thing is the generation of this news itself. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes what, what we're discussing is humans themselves might not be uh, involved in generating this news. You know, tomorrow machines can uh, generate them. So there are, yes, there are two different things that we're talking about. One is the platforms like like Facebook uh, and Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube, uh, you know, and TikTok, uh, you know, all these guys and Instagram and Snapchat, uh, you know, how they their algorithm, how, uh, understanding how their algorithm works, you know, what kind of uh, uh, posts are shown to what kind of people at what uh, frequency, that, that needs to be understood and, you know, it needs to be regulated, number one. 
And the second yeah. thing, uh, there needs to be uh, a way of, uh, you know, recognizing if a certain piece of content uh, is generated and posted by a human or by a machine, right? And, uh, you know, that also needs to be, uh, uh, needs to be identified. So these can be done technologically. Uh, the second one is getting, you know, difficult by the day as we speak, but, but, but it still can be done. So these, these, these can and should be the first steps to start off with. Yeah, very good. I think uh, uh, we had sort of a little bit of trends and, and also talking about uh, the, some of the issues relating to this the democratization of AI and also the fake news, how to somehow find a way how to expose this and control it. Uh, because now it's always a challenge where people are seeing something new. This is, should they believe it or not? Uh, but uh, there must be some sort of a tools coming up where you can test whether uh, is this a fake news or not? I don't know. Is there something? Do you think something in the pipeline where you can you can have a little bit of a, a truth truth checker? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Facebook claims to have a technology to to recognize deep fakes and uh, you know a fake news generation. Uh, you know, I need to get into the science of it as to how exactly they're doing it. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, right. Right now, I think uh, that can be done. But going forward, I would imagine that to be extremely uh, difficult because I would imagine the bots and the uh, and the machines to to get that much more intuitive and uh, uh, behave human like. Uh, yeah. You know? And uh, as we speak, uh, you know, one of the news that got uh, leaked in terms of uh, CES launch is that uh, uh, a Samsung's company called Neon is launching. Uh, you know bots uh, uh intuitive bots uh with human interface right uh you know i think uh, once they, they're essentially bridging the gap between uh, the machine and and the human going you know going forward uh yeah. and and a lot of very intelligent people around the world are, are tirelessly continuously around the clock working on this so going yes. forward i would imagine you know uh the dissemination or, or dissemination or difference, identifying the difference to become that much more difficult. Yeah. Very good, Jayanth. This has been a great episode uh, to start off the year. And uh, I'd like to thank you again for your insight and valuable input uh, in discussing these interesting topics uh, with me. Thanks for joining us this week on the Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, b8bhospitality.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or Spotify, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we appreciate rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.